I'd like to start off by saying good morning and what a wonderful privilege and honor it is to be here to speak at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ. Uh, this has been a wonderful weekend for me and my family. We would like to again extend our gratitude, our thanks, and our love to all of the families who've taken out the time to allow us to stay in their homes, to spend time with us, to get to know us, and take us out to dinner, prepare wonderful barbecue, uh, all of the, you know, provide wonderful stories. We're just so thankful. And again, I would like to say also thank you to the elders here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ for allowing me to come and speak uh, to you all on this weekend. Um, <clears throat> before we begin, of course, I just, it's just in me to make sure you guys are with me this morning. And you know, I always got to make sure that you're awake, make sure you focus, make sure you, your minds are clear and you're ready to serve the Lord and, and ready to uh, hear a message from God's holy and divine word. So uh, I want to ask you, who was the first comedian in the Bible? Samson, because he brought the house down. Okay, okay, okay. All right. One more. What was the first time meat was mentioned in the Bible? When Noah took Ham into the ark. All right, all right. I, okay. Before I begin, because I, I want to make sure that I, I, I don't uh, tarry too long, I want to first just tell you a little bit about me and uh, my family and myself. I was... Born in Memphis, but I was back and forth between Memphis and Atlanta, so I was typically raised in Atlanta. I spent a lot of time in Atlanta with my dad, and um, my wife and I uh, did not meet until later on uh, in, in life uh, after I graduated uh, from college and finished up my master's degree in education. I want to apologize to uh, Brother Hutto because I, I had a conversation with her, and I did some math, and uh, how long I've been preaching uh, is not as long as I, I told Brother Hutto. So very quickly, how I got into preaching, how this whole thing got started. I grew up in the church uh, my whole life, but it was um, the liberal congregation. Uh, but I was always in the Church of Christ. Uh, I didn't find out until 2000 that there was a difference between the liberal church and the conservative church. And so um, during that time, going back and forth in school and visiting my mom, I would go to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, um, and spend time with her. And during that time, I would visit the West End Church of Christ. And there, Dunn Wright was the preacher at that particular time. And there I began to understand the difference between uh, liberal and conservatives and their beliefs and, and the things that they practice. And so uh, my mom was going there, and I became more knowledgeable. And I uh, was taken under the wing of Dunn Wright, and we studied, and I learned more about the gospel. Well, um, before I, I went to Atlanta, um, I pretty much understood. My whole life, I always wanted to be a preacher. But to be honest with you, I didn't want the responsibility. I understood the importance of the office of being a preacher and what that meant. So I tried to do the next, next best thing, and that was to be an educator. Because I knew that I, I could at least still kind of party and still kind of hang out. And I wouldn't have to, you know, be that responsible. But that really wasn't the case because as Christians, we are always to be responsible and do what we're supposed to do in serving the Lord. And so to make a long story short, I, I moved to Atlanta. And when I moved to Atlanta, I met my beautiful wife 
to kind of speed the story up, I met my beautiful wife, and um, at that particular time, she was my boss, and until this day, she still is my boss. Uh, and so, uh, she did not grow up in the church. My wife is from um, South America. She's from Guyana. Uh, and when I met her, uh, I said, okay, she's from South America. I was like, I was going to give me a little, little Spanish hot mummy, and I, I felt good about it. And come to find out, my wife is from the only non-Spanish-speaking country in all of South America. <laughs> and that's something. Uh, but again, I, I, was, I was struck by her. I was supposed to be learning, and I was just, wasn't learning anything. I was just staring into her eyes. I just get lost in them. And she's like, are you paying attention? I was like, not really. But, uh, but we went ahead and, and we um, began to get to know one another. And I was at a point in time in my life where I desired to have a relationship with my father, but he wasn't in the church. And I sacrificed and put myself at risk by going to a church and worshiping somewhere where I know that it was not the truth. But I, I desired the relationship, so I, I took a major risk. Uh, but during this time, me and Dakinna became very serious about one another. And I simply said to her this. I said, if we're going to be together and we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, I want you to know that I don't believe this. I, I was not raised this way and I don't believe the things that they're teaching. And I, I grew up in the Church of Christ. And if you're going to be with me and we're going to be together forever, you're going to have to become a Christian and we have to worship at the Church of Christ. And she said this simply. If you make sure and guide me in the right direction and we get to heaven, I'll follow you anywhere. And so we packed up our bags. It was about three or four bags. I didn't know what was going to happen and, and, and what the future held before me. But we went to Louisville, Kentucky. At the time, I, I was a heathen. I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And Roman was conceived before we were married. But the beautiful thing about that was... I knew that we had to change some things. I knew that I had to change my level of understanding. And so we packed up our bags. We went to Louisville, Kentucky. My mom is something else. She is a wonderful woman, but she is serious about the gospel. She's serious about the word of God and being a Christian. And throughout my whole life, when I was in college and I was in school, and I was doing all the things that I knew I shouldn't have been done. I was trying to figure out why was I so uncomfortable? Why? Did I not have any peace? Why could I not really sleep? Why did things really go where it needed to go for me? Well, when we moved to Louisville and, and she allowed us to stay in our homes so we can get things together, she simply looked at me and said, son, the whole time that you were gone, I wanted you to know that I prayed every single day that God would make you uncomfortable. And I thought about that. I'm so glad that my mother prayed every single day that God would make me uncomfortable. Because what it did was it allowed me to move to Louisville, Kentucky, so that I could be grounded, remember where my first love was, who died for me and gave me an opportunity to, to, to have everlasting life and to go to heaven. And because of that, we moved to Louisville, Kentucky. My wife was not a Christian. She learned the word of God. She obeyed the gospel. And as soon as she went down in the water and she came up and I got rebaptized because I got baptized at 12, I understood better my, my, my responsibilities and we both got baptized. The same day she obeyed the gospel, I told her, will you be my wife? I knew at that particular time that we would be equally yoked because I didn't want to marry her because she was pregnant with Roman. I wanted to marry her because I knew that she would follow me because I was following Jesus. And so to date, 
we had an opportunity to start learning and we went to the South End Church of Christ. And in that time, what happened was I started to do an invitation and the invitation went to um, uh, preaching a sermon on Sunday evening. And then Sunday evening went to doing the Wednesday night Bible study and then Wednesday night Bible study went to preaching Sunday morning. And then before you knew it, I was doing the whole thing. And that took about seven months. And then an opportunity opened at the Shively congregation. This is just seven months. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have this idea of becoming a preacher. I was this close to being an LMPD officer. And I was like, you know, I just want to provide for my family. But God said, no. He said, I have a better plan for you. And so they approached me and said, have you ever thought about preaching? I said, oh, well, don't you have to go to school for that? No. You just have to study. Show thyself approved. Be serious about uh, being a gospel preacher in his word. And I took seven months of studying. And studied every day. I went in in the morning times just like a job. I, I went in in the morning and I was coming out in the evening. Shavli presented an opportunity to me. I started preaching over there. And after several months they said, we're looking at you. And I said, well, how, how do I look? You know, because I wasn't thinking that they wanted me to be their preacher. But I took that on. It was eight people in that congregation and they were on the midst of closing the doors at the Shively Church of Christ. I had another opportunity that paid more money. It had all the benefits. I had to go to my wife with a, 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 a baby girl in the oven and a son that was barely two years old and say, here's the opportunity that's before us. I won't get paid much. We're, we're, we're going to be struggling, but I don't want the doors of the Lord's church to close. And she said, I'll follow you. To this day, three and a half years later, that's how long I've been preaching. Here we are at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ. We started with eight. We've grown to 56. We've had over 15 baptisms, over 12 restorations, 20 people, 23 to 24 people to place their membership there. And it's been a wonderful ride. But to get to the point that I'm making is that I had to change my understanding. I had to do something different. My systems were under test. So I would like for you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to look at verse 11. I want you to think about a young man who, who has much promise and has all the opportunities that lie before him to become as great as he would love to be. But he had to realize something. And the Bible says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. This is me. I want you to think about me. But in the same instance that you're thinking about this young man, I want you to think about yourself. I want you to think about your system. I want you to think about how you have been operating. So when we look at this, it says, when I was a child, I spoke. I want you to think of the acronym. Okay, we're going to make an acronym. You can write this down. S for speak. I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, meaning that I thought and I understood like a child. And then it says, I reason, I think. So I speak, I understand, and I think like a child. 
So we're going to make the acronym S-U-T. Soot. S-U-T. Speak, understand, and think. So for this morning's title, it is called Systems Under Test. Systems Under Test. So I want to ask you this morning, is your system, the current one that you're operating under this morning, is it keeping you from becoming what God wants you to be? Is your level of understanding, your level of thinking, your way of speaking, is it keeping you from becoming everything that God wants you to be? If your life has not reached that expected end, maybe you need to change and have the courage to test your system. Is there a reason why people don't like you? You have to test your system. Is there a reason why you don't like people? You have to test your system. I want you to know that most people are mostly concerned about the way that they look. They spend a lot of time worrying about how they look. And if you think about it, we work so hard about how we look. I'm not advocating that you shouldn't look handsome, that you shouldn't be beautiful. I, I made sure that I put on a nice bow tie this morning. I made sure that... Me and my son were were similar and kind of matching. I even put on my favorite color socks, red with the polka dots on it. But I'm talking about your outer appearance opposed to your inner appearance. Most people want to change how they look. They want to change their eye color. They want to change how how their hair looks. And and, and what's crazy is you're so concerned about changing your eye color and looking pretty. Because I remember that time when contacts were hot back then. You know, when the contacts came out, it wasn't about whether or not you could see. It was about if I could change my eye color, I could look a little different. I got me some green contacts. You know, I'm light-skinned, so I can try to say, I can get away with that. They probably say, are you mixed? You know, what you mixed with, you know? But the crazy thing is this, we work so hard to change those things and change our eye color when we should be more concerned about seeing through the lenses of God. We're so concerned about looking like everybody else, but instead of looking through the lenses of God and acting like Christians should. See, your eyes may look pretty, but if you don't see through the lenses of Christ, it doesn't matter. But I'm just asking you to find in yourself Have I been operating under a system that is not pleasing to God? But what I found out, though, is that people are loyal to something. The reason why their systems have not been tested is because they are loyal to dysfunction. When you think about that, they're not loyal to God and and trying to do what's right. There are people who are loyal to dysfunctionality. They love, I mean, every time you call them, there's always something going on in their life. You can't call them and find out good news. I know you got someone in your family. Let's not, let's not be fake. Everybody has someone in their family. Every time you call them, it's some drama. Every single time, there is something wrong. Every single time. They're loyal to dysfunction. And what's crazy is when you try to share the gospel with them, when you try to change them and try to help them understand that God is the way, Christ is the answer, they will fight you tooth and nail over this dysfunction. They'll claw and fight. No, oh no, there's nothing wrong with me. You know the favorite saying, this is just the way I am. 
that's just me. Well, this morning I want you to consider this. Think about that this just me or that's just the way I am. Maybe that's me is not working. Maybe who you are at this present time, since you're so comfortable with who you are, you, 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 you're so good with where you are in Christ. You, you know that you know the word of God, but you're not growing. You haven't reached that expected end. Maybe that just me attitude is not working. You need to change your system. I want to ask you, how long will you hold on to dysfunctionality and, and this dysfunctional system? And miss God. So again, let's look at this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. It's telling us how once one used to speak, understand, and think. I think that that, that's me system that we've been operating under because I've been there before. That's just me. That's just the way I am. And nobody's going to change me. It is killing you. Your speech your understanding and your level of thinking is killing you. And more importantly, it is separating you from the love of God. I'm trying to tell you, if you don't change that level of thinking and your understanding, you will never, never reach that place that you want to be in Christ. Now, we're not dealing uh, uh, with this uh, immature uh, uh, outer appearance. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your spiritual life, your inner life. It's immature. I'm not talking about your outer because people think that because they have grown up and they got a little fuzz under their chin, young people, your chest has getting a little brawly, your shoulders getting a little brawly, men, ladies, hair is longer. You're growing in places that your fathers don't want you to grow in. And you're, and you're thinking that you know it all. But I'm not talking about your outer appearance. I'm talking about your inner man and woman. The problem is the outer is maturing. And that's true. You are getting older on the outside. But uh, that inner has not matured at all. And I'm spiritually speaking. I'm not talking about your education and your knowledge and, and all of those things. I'm talking about spiritually speaking, you're still a child. You're still operating under the mindset of a young person, a baby, a young child. When you don't get your way, you stump, you cry and you pout. I want this and I want that. I don't want to come to services. I don't want to come to the gospel meeting. He's going to preach again. How long is it? Three, four days. Remember my saying? Again? Again? That's how children act. I want you to think about it. Spiritually speaking, are you still a child on the inside? Are you still acting and conducting yourselves like little children? See, it's okay when you're small to think like a child. It's okay for us to do that. It's, it's all right to, 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 to act like a child and think like a child and speak like a child. But I want you to think about what the scripture says. Okay? It says, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, let me tell you what a lot of people make a mistake. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. I became a man 
and put away childish things is what it's saying. So you grew up and you became a man and then you put away childish things. It did not say that I put away childish things and that made me a man. Think about that. I put away childish things and so that made me a man. Think on this. We must think if I put away childish things, then I'll be a man. See, a lot of people think that just because I stopped playing with big wheels and Barbie dolls, I stopped looking at cartoons and Looney Tunes and now I watch rated R movies and adult movies and I can go to adult places and I can buy cigarettes and I can buy beer and I can go to the strip club that that makes you a man and that makes you a woman. No, what it said was you became a man and you became a woman because that's naturally going to happen. But you made a decision to put away childish things. We have to start thinking in those terms. Just because you're a grown man or you've been in church your whole life doesn't mean that you're a mature Christian. Doesn't mean that you're operating like the man of God and the man of woman that you ought to be. See, what was appropriate when you were younger, you understood that now it is not appropriate. I understand that this is no longer the way I need to be operating because I've outgrown this immature level of thinking spiritually. The way I used to speak, I don't speak anymore. The way I used to understand, I don't understand anymore. See, the way I was doing all that thinking and rationalizing, I don't do that anymore. I'm too much of a man of God and a man or woman to be bound to this system that's keeping me from being everything that God wants me to be. I'm telling you today, if you're operating under a system that is not pleasing to God, you need to put it away. You need to put it away. Because if you don't put it away, it will put you away. If you don't put it away, it will put you away. So the question is, I want to ask you, are you a man of God, loyal to a system that has been functioning like a child? Think about that. Have I been loyal to a system that's allowed me not to grow to be the man and woman of God that he desires me to be? I've been loyal to that system. That's why I fight tooth and nail for it not to change. Why are you not here? Why can't you arrive to services on time? Why don't you come as often as you should and have been blessed to? Because I've been operating under a system like a child. A child wants his or her way always, all the time. And they understand it in a sense that it's all about me. There's no sacrifice made. There's no that God died, sent his son to die on the cross for me. We don't operate or think that way as a child. Children say to themselves, I'll be here when I get here. When I get together and I get ready, I'll get there when I get ready and I'll come as often as I want to. And when it's time for me to give, I'll give a little bit or a lot. It just depends on my attitude. That's thinking and operating on the system like a child. And many of us here today have been loyal to that system of understanding, speaking and thinking. I had to understand that when I had to pick up everything that I had and move to a place I had no idea what was going to happen, I still had to change my level of thinking. When I was in Atlanta, I was thinking like a child. 
I was speaking to women and operating like a child. Someone was telling me something that mattered that was a mature move and and a mature way to to operate, especially in Christ. My mother was telling me before me and Dekena got together, I was messing with a woman who was divorced, living with her, living in sin. I was operating like a child. And I tried to find every single excuse there was looking at the Bible. Okay, so how can we get around? You were divorced, so did you find, you know, any kind of paraphernalia that kind of led to the fact that you believed that he was cheating on you? Oh, wait a minute, let me think about it. So, I mean, I know he was abusive, but I mean, did he cheat? Can you tell me something? I was trying to find everything possible to make what was wrong right. I was operating like a child. I had to get a level of understanding. I was a man standing there, acting and operating like a child. I had to change my level of understanding. We got to put it away. Now, let me tell you this. Now, the child in you is not gone. Let me tell you, the child is not gone. It's not ever going to be completely destroyed. And the reason how I know this is because I know pretty much every line to Moana. Don't act like y'all don't know Moana. Come on. If you don't know Moana, then I know pretty much every line in Boss Baby. As a matter of fact, on Saturdays, we get some popcorn together. I got the projector. We get outside and I put it on the garage and we have popcorn and we watch all of the Disney movies. I know Frozen, I know Beauty and the Beast, I know them all. The inner child in me is never going to be destroyed. But it has to be severely limited. Operating and thinking and understanding like a child and and having that childlike attitude, and it should be severely limited. But I'm spiritually speaking on that severe limitation. And how do you do that? Hey, I get it. Sometimes we get a bad attitude. Sometimes you you are late. Sometimes you don't want to be here. Sometimes you've had a bad day. But that shouldn't be your level of operation continuously. I get it. Everybody has to get themselves together. We're not perfect. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I'm here to tell you that I understand that. But you got to quit operating under that system. I'm telling you, you better put it away. If you don't, it'll put you away. It'll put away your progression. You know what? If you keep operating on the system that you've been operating on currently, it'll put away your marriage. It'll put away your finances. It'll put away your progression in life. It'll put away your, your opportunity to have an intimate relationship with God. It'll put away all the things that you need to be growing in in every area. It will put it away if you don't put it away. So let me tell you, you can put it away. But you first got to stop defending it. So many people defend it. And do you know why they defend it? Because they believe putting it away will kill them. Do you know what I mean by that? What I mean is that if I put this away, it's not who I really am. Since I got to be true to myself, you know, you know, the people, you know, this is just who I am. You know, I just, you know, I was born like this and I'm going to talk like this and I'm going to walk like this to the day I die. Ain't nobody going to change me. 
You're afraid of changing for the simple fact you think you're going to kill who you really are. But let me tell you something. You have no idea who you really can be in Christ. But you got to put it away. You know the individual, when you come to him, they say, leave me alone. Don't talk to me about why I hadn't been here in four, four months. Don't talk to me because that doesn't apply to me. I don't have that problem, so don't come to me. I've only been, been missing services only three times this, this, this month, as if, that, as if that, that's okay. Don't talk to me. That doesn't apply to me. I'm telling you, defending those systems comes between that relationship between you and God. If you're somebody who's stuck, I just want you to think about it. If you're somebody who's stuck and nothing good ever really just develops in your life, like you're on the way and things look good and you kind of coast here and there. But if nothing really, really ever changes in your life, if everything always seems to be coming your way, maybe you're going in the wrong direction. If you get out of your car and you start running towards traffic, you're probably going to get hit by a car. If you are in your car and the sign says wrong way and you go that way into oncoming traffic, an accident is waiting to happen. If you're spiritually going in the wrong way, I can tell you right here, right now, an accident is waiting to happen. It's going to be a spiritual homicide. I'm telling you, saints, we ought to change the way we've been thinking and how we've been operating. So let's talk about this. Let's change the system really quickly. Let's change the system. So how do we change it? First and foremost, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. The Bible says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. How have you been speaking? If you've been speaking like a child, operating like that, you got to change your conversation. The Bible also says that what's in your heart, Matthew 15 and verse 18, comes out of the mouth. A lot of times people say, well, no, I, I said that, but I don't really believe that. Well, if you said it, it was in your heart. I don't like coming to services all those times. You know, I, I could be here in the morning, but I don't really care about the evening because the Bible don't, don't tell you that you had. You, I came in the morning. But what you're saying is you don't have the you don't respect the elders. You don't respect the fact that they said that we meet twice on Sunday. So you don't come back because you think it's more important for you to be at home washing your car or cutting the grass or going fishing or whatever it is you want to do or catch the game. You think that's more important than submitting to the authority of that local congregation that's under the leadership of the elders that say we're going to meet twice on Sunday. What's in your heart 
comes out of your mouth and it resonates in your actions. So if you are an individual who's a member here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ and you have been sporadic in your attendance, you need to change your level of understanding. Test your system. I'm going to tell you something. Understanding is serious. The way you understand determines your expected end. The way you understand things determines your expected end. Case in point, you ever been mad at somebody about something you thought they meant? It ever happened to you? Yeah, okay. I know I'm the only person that ever happened to us. It. okay. It's all right. Somebody said something to me I thought they meant, and I was upset, and I was like, oh, man, he said that right there, and I appreciate that. I can't wait to see him. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I'm going to call him on the phone. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say that. And you call him on the phone, and you have a conversation, and you find out that what they said they didn't mean in that way. It was the way you took it, and you were wrong. And you know what happens? Y'all go back to normal, Right? Because you was like, well, I ain't mean to say it like that. No, I ain't mean to say it like that. You cool? You cool? No, yeah, we cool. You my brother. I'm your brother, man. That's cool. That's what's up. We cool. Now y'all back friends again. But do you know why that's happened? Because you understood it differently. Think about it. Understanding is powerful. You know what understanding means? Understanding means the truth in which you stand under. Understanding means the truth that you stand under. So if it's truth to you, and it's absolute to you, you'll stand by it. You'll stand firm. That's why you have to change your level of understanding. See, it's truth to you that it's not important for you to be here as often as you should. It's truth to you that you don't study your Bible as often as you should. It's truth to you that I don't have to pass out cards and have personal Bible studies with people as often as I should because it's not my truth. I don't stand under it. In order to do that, you got to change your level of understanding. It's a powerful thing. It's your version of what's right and what's wrong and how I need to fix it. That's what understanding is. Is it right for me to miss church? Well, it's not a big deal. My level of understanding, so therefore I don't come as often as I should. Is it right? Is it just inherently sinful for me that I don't read my Bible as much as Brother Hutto does? I mean, he the preacher. It ain't got nothing to do with me. It's your level of understanding. And what's sad is that level of understanding can be hindering you. Because basically all it is is a version of your life. It's a, it's, it is a reflection of your life, your level of understanding. Everything that you've done thus far has been based on the truth you've been standing under. You know what we need to start doing? Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. Simply tells you right here. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. So with all thy getting, get some understanding. 
So if you don't understand why you need to be here, maybe you need to have a conversation with the elders and say, why well, I need to be here. Maybe you need to have a conversation with, with uh, Brother Clark or, or B- Brother Hutto and say, so why do I need to study my Bible again? With all thy getting, get some understanding. Understand why I am standing for this thing. Why is that the truth in my life? And maybe you can understand that you've been thinking and operating like a child. And then some change can be made. You know, I've learned in the short time of, of preaching and, and trying to help people, you can't help people that you don't understand. You can't. That's why I love counselors. You know what a counselor is? A counselor is a person to try to help you understand you better. Think about that. That's all a counselor is. It's somebody to try to help you understand you, help you rationalize how you've been acting all this time. So when you go to marriage counseling and you have a conversation, they say, yeah, my wife, you know, been saying that she always has something to say. And I say, well, have you ever thought about saying it this way? Have, have you ever about thought of, uh, about taking her out to a nice dinner or, or saying something lovely to her? They're only trying to help you understand a better version of you. And what better version of you can you get inside the word of God? There's no better place to find out a better counselor that you can have than inside the word of God. I want to tell you, you can break the cycle. But you got to stop going back to the old system. A lot of us keep going back to the old system. The old cistern has hindered you your whole life. Very quickly, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. I'm trying to help, I'm trying to help some of us right through this area. It says in, in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22, beginning with verse 22, to put off your old self. That's that old way of thinking, that old way of understanding, that old way of speaking. Which belongs to your former manner of life. When I was in Atlanta acting like a heathen, I had to put that away. I had to stop acting and thinking that away. And then it says, and it's corrupt through its deceitful desires. And it says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And to put on a new self. That is your adult spiritual life. Put away that young man and young woman in your spiritual sense. And put on the man and woman of God. Created in the likeness of God. In true righteousness and holiness. So if you really want to be a man of God. You got to start acting more like Christ. You got to resist the old system. You want to change it? Let's resist the old system. First, you have to realize that it is not us. It is not truly you that's speaking and thinking that way. And you must embrace this. When I say put it away, you must embrace that you can survive without it. You can survive without sleeping with multiple women. You can survive without cheating on your wife. You can survive by putting the the bottle down. You can survive without cheating on your taxes. You can survive without it. You got to put it away. That sin in your life, you got to put it away. That childish way of thinking, you got to put it away. Because if you don't put it away, it will kill you. 
And when you don't put it away, guess what it does? It keeps you from being the new normal you. It, it keeps you from being the new normal you. You know, the you that, that God sees. What he had planned, what he envisioned. You mess all of that up. You get in the way of all of that. I want to make sure that I'm looking at every single person's face in here. I hope at this very moment that I didn't preach long enough and you sleep because I'm telling you, you're going to miss it if you don't put it away. You got to put it away. How you put it away? Let's go to James chapter 4 and verse 7. I'm going to tell you how you put it away. Simple. Very simple. James chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. You got to submit. You got to stop acting like you have all the answers and you know everything there is to know. You got to submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. You can put it away. But you got to identify it. Whatever that is. Identify what that thing is. Identify what is in the way between you and that relationship, that intimate relationship with God. You got to put it away. You know what I call it? And I, I just, I, I just got to do it. I'm in Louisville now, and I know about the champ. You, you, you got to kind of, you got to kind of, you got to, you got to, you got to train. You got to fight, and you got to put it away. You know what I call that? Resistance training. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Resist it. It will flee. Every time it rears its ugly head, it'll flee. I was talking to a young man that told me the night on Friday night that I'm changing. I want to change today. I'm going to start with being on time. You stepped on my toes. My feet hurt. I want to change it. And I said, you know what change is? Change is not a past tense word. It is a present tense word. Change is constant. Because you know what? It will rear its ugly head again. And change does not happen until you overcome it again and again and again and again and again. And every time that it comes, you overcome it. That's change. Because if you're at church one month and you're doing it like you're supposed to, and then the next month you're sporadic in your attendance and, and your faithfulness to God, that's called struggling. That's not change. And I hope that you don't think that God is sitting up there giving you a hand clap because you tried. He expects for you to do it. So if you're here today and I'm telling you this, if you have not changed your level of thinking, it needs to start today. Change your level of understanding, change your way of speaking, change your way of thinking. So if you're here this morning and you are a Christian and you have not done that, you've been operating like a child, thinking like a child, speaking like a child, hanging around and doing childish things, you need to change it. If you sin publicly, you need to make a public confession and say that I've done some things wrong. I repent. And if you have not obeyed the gospel, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to change it. 
I became a man. I became a woman. I put away childish things. And it started by obeying the gospel, being obedient to God, submitting myself to what he commanded. Be baptized. What are you waiting for? Be baptized, washing away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that he came and died. And with that purchase of his blood, I have an opportunity of everlasting life. The water is ready. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait to put it away. You can put it away. You can put it away and you can live faithful unto the death or until somebody take you out because you love the Lord so much. Doesn't matter. Either way, God will be pleased if you put it away. So if you're here this morning, you are subject to the invitation. Please come now. Together we stand and sing.